This episode of Coach Talk is brought to you by P2C Athlete Prep. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coach Talk. We're joined here by Athletic Director David Duda of Delaware Valley University. Welcome to the show, Mr. Duda. Uh, great to be here, Steve. Thank you. So let's kind of get into it real quick. Um, you've got a very unique and different background than what we normally bring on. You're an athletic director, but you've coached at almost every level. Can you, can you kind of tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yep, sure. Uh, Steve, this is my 32nd year on the collegiate level. Uh, I started as an assistant basketball coach. At, at that time, it was called Philadelphia Textile. It is now uh, Jefferson University. Uh, it's among the winningest Division II programs in the country. I worked for a Hall of Fame coach there, Herb McGee, who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He has over 1,000 wins uh, in college basketball. Uh, I was the lead assistant there for seven years. Uh, had great success, and I uh, took a Division III head coaching job, Delaware Valley University, which I'm currently at now, but uh, I was only there as the head basketball coach back in 95-96. I inherited a zero-win team. We turned it around in two quick years, and I was offered the head coaching position at uh, Widener University, another Division III school. Um, I was there for I took over a, a six-win team there. I was also named the assistant athletic director there uh, my first year there. Uh, in my fourth year there, uh, the athletic director left, and they named me the head basketball coach and athletic director. So I spent uh, four years there in a dual capacity as athletic director uh, and head basketball coach. Had a lot of success we, uh, in the top 20 most of the years. I always had a bug for the Division One level. Um, I then left to become the lead assistant basketball coach at St. Joe's University and was there for 13 years under Phil Martelli. Um, and then they made a coaching change, obviously, at St. Joe's. And I went back to Delaware Valley, uh, this time just as a full-time administrator uh, in the role of athletic director. So I have 30 years as a Division One, Two, or Three basketball coach and eight years um, or Five, six years as an athletic director uh, on there as well. Nice. So you have a very unique perspective then on recruiting. Um, yep. As an athletic director, I know you don't get hands down involved in a recruiting process, um, but what is your role for student athletes that come in in that recruiting process? I like to, and my schedule doesn't always allow me, Steve, but uh, I certainly like to talk to every recruit from um, every sport, a potential a student athlete that comes on campus, uh, because really, to me, um, I love doing it, and I think it's really, really important, because I think in the world of coaching, even though coaching has evolved, I don't think the job's ever been harder than it is right now, but I think the greatest responsibility that a college coach has is that someone's mother and father has entrusted you with their pride and joy. And I don't think there's any more significance in coaching than that because uh, most of these kids, depending on whatever, whatever level it might be, male or female, most of them have many opportunities and multiple opportunities. 
So for someone to pick you and say, hey, this is my pride and joy. They're going away from home for the first time. And, uh, you know, you are now the major responsibility for them. I, I think that's the greatest responsibility. And that's what I tell parents as an athletic director. I know that's a very, very difficult decision, but I want you to know and have a clear picture of me as the leader of the department, how I feel and how important that is that you would entrust us with that responsibility. Definitely. And it's definitely a huge responsibility. And for you to take the time to uh, have that conversation with parents is huge. So you spend a lot of time on the basketball side, um, men's basketball. And did you do both or just the men's? No, just men's, just okay. men's. So definitely a definite unique perspective here. So from the men's side, what are some of the things that as a student athlete and a parent that they can be doing to one, get the attention of college coaches, but two, to better their, their opportunities to continue to play in college? Yeah, it's a great question, Steve. I, I must get, I must get asked that probably, that's probably the biggest question I've, I've been asked throughout my career. And I think that uh, it's a difficult question because some just don't know the best way to go about it. But if you're a parent of a student athlete, uh, and not, I wouldn't even say yet it has to pertain to basketball, but I will use that as, as the model. But I'd say, you know, if you are a 10th grader, an 11th grader, somewhere in that range, and, you know, everybody now has these crazy highlight videos and Twitter and all those kinds of things, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're sending something to a college coach, which I think you should do, I think you should try to promote yourselves. And uh, they would come in emails by the dozens every day. And, and some of them, you know, let's say when I was at St. Joe's, a lot of the videotapes that I received would not be someone who I would say would have potential to play in the Atlantic 10. So maybe they didn't know their appropriate level. But if it was done correctly and, you know, it was done like, Hey, coach, here's my schedule. Here's a quick highlight tape. You know, uh, here's my academic profile. And I would, I would always watch it. And let's say I watched it and I said, you know, probably not a candidate for St. Joe's or the Atlantic 10, but you know what? I have friends that are Division II coaches or Division three coaches that this might be more appropriate to. I would forward it to them, you nice. know, and say, look, you know, being at that level, I think this would be more appropriate, that type of thing. But I think, I think um, it has to be done in the in in the right way, and a, a lot of times, parents and kids don't know how to do that. I think it should be in conjunction with you know their high school coach or their AAU coach, and say, you know, who do they know? What contacts do they have? Um, but I think it has to be uh, orchestrated the right way, um, and and understanding that. Um, Hopefully, most of the coaches will return your message. Like I would always return an email message saying, even if I, even if I said to them, "Well, you know, I'm not saying you can never play at St. Joe's, but you know, based off of what I'm looking at here, it might be more appropriate at this particular level," and try to guide them in in some way or some form. You know, obviously, every kid out there wants to play at the highest level, so they sure. start by sending the stuff to the highest level, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, it has to be, you know, if you're a, if you're going into your senior year and you probably have not heard from a Division One school to that point, that probably is an indicator that you might not play at Division One. Certainly the way 
that recruiting works now and how aggressive it is and how, how early it starts. Um, and certainly just staying, just trying to get a form of communication started between you and that coaching staff and then just making them aware, Hey, you know, I'm playing a summer league game at such and such a place. My high school's working out at such and such a time, just corresponding with them and giving them as many opportunities as they can to evaluate you and stay in touch with you. And I think the biggest part that parents and student athletes miss out on when recruiting is that relationship. Mm -hmm. That relationship's like 90 plus percent of recruiting. And if you can build that relationship, you give yourself a better opportunity to get recruited. And I think that's the part that gets overlooked in the process. Everybody wants to jump to the end and forget about that whole relationship that has to be built. Always equated to yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen, I think you're right, and I think you have to be accurate. Like, for example, I can't tell you the number of times that someone would send me something, and um, you know, they would start listing things. Like, for example, on the academic part of their profile. Well, I'm a three O student, and I'm this, and I'm. And then when you actually got a transcript, the transcript said, well, you have a 2.3. You know what I mean? There's, there, there's, no sense, there's no sense in misleading. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And actually, I would prefer, I prefer the honesty because there's nothing wrong with someone having a 2.3 because I would get back to them and say, look, just for the clearinghouse purpose of this, you probably need to improve in these areas or that's going to need a corresponding SAT or ACT. You know what I'm saying? So you could yep. be more helpful, but, but by providing false information, you know, to make yourself sound a little bit better or that type of thing, it, it really ends up hurting you in some ways. So I, I just think it has to be not only the correspondence, but you know, if you, if you are deficient in some area, it's okay to say, you know, I didn't do that well on that particular course, or, uh, you know, I'm not a great master because I think it generates not only dialogue, but, honest dialogue that could be helpful to everybody involved. Definitely. And, and I think another thing that parents and student athletes make the mistake on is they wait so late in the game to take their SAT or their ACT, not understanding mm -hmm. that I can't recruit you as a coach until you're qualified and cleared through the clearinghouse. And I think that's a piece that gets overlooked big time in this whole process as well. Um, I think it is. I think one of the things that happens is early guidance too. Like, so for example, I can't tell you how many times you get a transcript or you dive deep into a transcript and someone did very little work as a freshman or a sophomore. And now they get to junior year and realize, Oh geez, that D is really hurting me or that, that course that I didn't retake or that type of thing. And, and understanding the process at an early age. And that's why I think, I think if you're at a high school where that's presented to you by a coach or a guidance counselor early on in the process, so you understand the significance of a course that has been there, you know, and, and to your point, really with the SAT or the ACT, you know, what type of prep work can you take early? So that first time you go to take that test, it's not culture shock like, Boy, that was really difficult. I did really poorly on that. And then you're working uphill the entire time. So I think the early education 
by whomever that is, whether that's a coach, whether that's an AAU coach, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a mother, father, understand the process better. Maybe it's a guidance counselor. But um, I think it's really hard going upstream the whole time. You know what I mean? Like when you struggle as a freshman, you don't realize that. And then all of a sudden you say, geez, you know, that D and that C really needs to be a B or an A. And you really can't go out. And then you really are putting a lot of strain on how you can perform, you know, maybe your junior, senior year or, you know, someone having to use prep school or something like that. Definitely. And it's a huge piece, um, especially when you start looking at everything below division one because division two they're stacking division three Mm -hmm. they're looking at your academics strictly naia depending on the college it's either they're stacking or it's one or the other and so Mm -hmm. the vast majority of student athletes are going to fall somewhere in that spectrum and not that division one spectrum and not preparing early leaves you late in the, in the, in the end. And mm-hmm. that's huge in understanding that. And that's a piece that I think gets really overlooked as student athletes and parents go through this process, as well as the education side. Getting educated early, you're right, is, is key. Um, and I think that's a piece that gets overlooked big time by parents and student athletes because you've got a lot of people in their ear is the best way to put it and not everyone in their ear really understands the process i I think who you trust in this and who guides you uh is so important steve i think you've hit it right on the head there um and sometimes you don't know um and, and it's not intentional some people are hurting you and it's not intentional. It's just, uh, they don't know what they don't know. And, uh, you know, today's the kids who are coming out in this particular class. And I think for the next three years, because of the NCA granting that extra year of eligibility during the pandemic, that has really reduced opportunities immensely. And, uh, people always want to focus on the 21 class. Like, well, that really hurt the 21 class or hurt the 20. Now, it's really on a four-year cycle because that kid that's in that opportunity who has that extra year, they don't know if they're taking it or not right now. You don't know what's going to happen in three or four years. So I think it's really hard both ways. I think the coaches on these staffs are saying, geez, I I don't know when that next scholarship is going to be available or how many I have available. And on the other part of it, you know, I think for a, a kid coming out, he looks at it and says, well, geez, you know, I'm a little frustrated because maybe I'm not getting the, the, the recruiting interest that I, maybe my game should justify. And yeah, that might be because there's no in, there's no room at the end. Uh, exactly. and, that, and that's, <laughs> and, and that's frustrating. And I, I, I get it. I understand that both ways. And so you think it's three years. I think it'll be 2026 before this whole thing gets Could back be. to normal. You, you know, you, you might be right, Steve. And again, you can never, like I said, you don't know how many names are going to go in the transfer portal next year and how many of those are going to be looking for schools. But, but you know, I certainly think, you know, from because I, I work with admissions a lot here and I say like, yeah, it's hard because these rosters, 
you know, usually you can bank on, well, that many seniors graduating each year. Well, now you might not be able to bank on that because they may take an extra year. Yep. And then that limits the amount of people that you can add to that roster. So I, I really, you might be right. It might all, it might trickle all the way down to, you know, the class of 26. Now you mentioned something there. Um, so as these student athletes put themselves in the portal, I think that might clear this up some because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of kids that are going to go in that portal that are going to walk away with nothing. They're going to leave yeah. something on the table and they're going to leave with nothing. And I'm curious as to how the NCAA will, will look at that part because you're going to have kids that are going to give up scholarships to go in the mm -hmm. transfer portal thinking that they're going to be able to transfer and the reality is going to be no one's going to take them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think to... two things there. I, I think two things. I think, um, I think understanding that it's a two-way street. So like, for example, I've been on both ends of it. We've taken someone from a portal and someone has put their name in a portal. And when I was at the division one level and someone wanted to do that, uh, obviously we'd say, Hey, totally understand. But you have to understand the minute that your name goes into that transfer portal, I now have access to your scholarship. So if I wanted to award that scholarship to someone else, you have to understand it works both ways. To your point, there's a lot of kids going on the portal thinking they're going to get X, Y, or Z, and it doesn't happen. And then they come back to the school they're currently at and say, oh, I'd like to return. Yeah, but it doesn't work both ways. Like I may have given that away or a school may have committed to that. And then to your point, I think the NCAA really, Steve, to be helpful, really has to has to put out there the numbers. Like right now, they're really good at putting out, well, there's 800, there's 1,800 names in the portal. Yeah, but to your point, how many didn't get anything? So before you put your name in there, you need to know that the statistical data really tells you, I may not get anything. Now, there's a lot of kids, as we both know, that put their name in the portal knowing they already know where they're going, yep. that that deal has already been made. But yep. that's a small percentage. Yes, it you know, is. There's also a percentage that doesn't have a deal and they just want to kind of test the waters, so to speak. And it ends up backfiring to your point saying, geez, I ended up playing at a lower level or I, I lost my scholarship because I wasn't able to go back to the school that, you know, I was originally at. So I think that, that and again, it's only been a short time with the portal, but it would be interesting to say, see what that data states of saying what percentage of kids in that portal actually went to another school and got another scholarship. Because I'm just looking back to, so I, I, I coached women's college basketball for five years. And so I'm looking back to that and in most instances, if some of those kids had a win in the portal, we would have recruited over them. Without mm -hmm. a doubt. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'm probably sure that there are some coaches' staffs that were happy some of those kids went in the portal. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when this this 
I don't want to, I don't want to make this a generation thing, but this generation of student athlete has had so much given to them that there's a sense of entitlement that I think they forget about that you're dealing with grown-ups' lives. Like, these are these coaches' lives. These are these administrators' lives. And they're going to make a decision that's going to be best for their overall benefit. And there ain't a lot of coaches who's going to wait on a student-athlete unless you're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, I'd say, I would say, Steve, I was blessed um, because at the Division One level, it really is cutthroat. And I was blessed to work for Phil Martelli, who was, I would say to you, you know how everybody respects him, but that's how he coaches. And uh, we, we never, I, I, I use the word loosely, but we would never dabble on a dark side of any type of recruiting whatsoever. And um, to your point, and this has kind of become non-existent, but it was really what our program was built on. Obviously, we, you know, when you're there 13 years, you're bringing a lot of kids in and uh, we really hung our hat on player development. We understood that it was hard for a freshman to play. We enjoyed the process of developing players. We put guys in the NBA. We put guys overseas. Um, but that was one of our selling points. Like, we are making a four-year commitment to you. Yep. And there were times that we brought somebody in. And as a staff, we would sit in that room and we would say, you know, we might be a year and a half or two years in and say, I don't know if they're going to be able to play in this particular league. And he would say back to us, we brought them here. It's our responsibility to make them better, not move on from them. Now, again, that's great if you're getting the same level of commitment back. But now when you, you know, you look at it now and you might, you may have somebody who's really good as a freshman and you start worrying and saying, maybe they're playing too well. Because yeah. <laughs> now they could go higher than us. You know what I'm saying to you? Or yeah. you don't know what – you don't. You almost have to recruit your own locker room every year to bring them back. And I think it's a tough way, uh, Steve, because I think it's almost to the way of, you know, when you recruit. We used to look at this a lot and say, well, you know, if, if we're recruiting someone and we started as a sophomore and maybe they went to three high schools – and then they changed AAU teams four times. Well, why would I think they're going to come to my school and, and not want to do the same? Right. Exactly. I, you know what I mean? I think I think there's a lot to that anymore. And I think it it needs to be looked at closer to say like, well, yeah, everybody who's a really good player has options. But, you know, if they're, they haven't if they really haven't found what they what they were looking for at the high school level or the AAU level, why would I think that I'm going to be different? at my particular school. Exactly. And I think that's a key component that's going to really become prevalent in recruiting is as coaches start doing their research on players and parents and everything else is, is how many times has this kid changed schools? How many different club teams has he been on or she's been on? Like, how do we, so how can I expect them to be loyal here because it's like they're never satisfied and 
I think that kind of goes along with, I always say this, and I, and I blame my generation, because we told all these kids that you can do whatever you want to do, but what we failed to tell them in the process of telling them that, as long as it's within the rules of the game, we left that part out. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the actuality of it is, is that it is my generation that kids that are coming through now, and as parents, we told them, you can do whatever you want to do. Whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. But we left out that very important part of it's got to be within the rules of the game. Um, mm -hmm. So as we kind of shift the focus a little bit here, um, you're there at Delaware Valley. Um, tell the people a little bit about your university and what you guys do there, if you don't mind. Yep. So, you know, our, our entire conference that we play in, it's a, it's a big conference. There's two sides. We play in the Middle Atlantic Conference. Uh, we're all smaller private schools, um, all between, I would say, enrollments between 1,700 and the largest maybe like 3,500. Uh, we're in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, uh, probably about 25 minutes from Center City, Philadelphia. Um, uh, I would say a, a large percentage of our athletic recruiting is done in that 95 corridor between Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, and New York. Uh, it's, we have a great recruiting area because it's very, very good uh, in, in a lot of sports. Uh, there's a heavy science major here on our, on our campus, but for uh, the male student athletes, we have, uh, you know, a lot of all the popular majors, sports management, criminal justice, business, uh, and the like. So uh, we have a, we're probably best known for our football program. Football has been to the NCAA tournament for uh, five, five or six straight years. We're two games away from playing for the national championship. Uh, last year, we have, you know, a terrific team coming back. Um, so that's that's probably our our most known sport uh, at this particular time. Okay, okay. Um, so for a a student that might be interested in Delaware Valley, like what are some of the academic criteria that you guys look at when you're evaluating students students and student athletes? Yeah, Delaware, we're test optional, so you don't necessarily have to turn in an ACT or SAT uh, score. It's certainly. Uh, we work off an academic grid here, so obviously the better profile that you may have, the more academic money uh, that that you require. Uh, they don't necessarily. I wouldn't. I think every kid is is evaluated uh, on a on a case to case basis here, but obviously, you know, if you're if you're sub 3.0 GPA and you haven't taken the right academic curriculum, it's probably it would probably be a little harder to get accepted uh, in the school. But as I said, I think. Uh, they do take a look at, you know, the type of high school that you came from. Um, you know, is it more, uh, did you take a more stringent academic uh, criteria, uh, you know, an academic program or was it, you know, a lesser program, that type of thing. So I think uh, at the Division three level, they do get looked at a little bit more on a case-to-case basis. Okay. Okay. Now, what sports do you all have there? You have basketball, football. Um, what other sports do you guys have there? Yeah, we, we offer every every sport. So in the in the fall, 
you know, we have both men's and women's soccer. We have volleyball. We have field hockey. We have both men's and women's lacrosse. We have both baseball, softball. And we are one of the schools that are unique that not only do we have men's wrestling, but we also have women's wrestling in addition nice. to men's and women's basketball. Uh, full selection of cross-country track and field, both men and women. So uh, we have everything here except uh, basically men's and women's swimming uh, because we don't have a pool. <laughs> that would be the only reason. Gotcha. So with, with that full slate of sports, um, you must be a busy man there. Yeah, it does. It does. Keeps you, keeps you very busy, Stephen. And, and uh, usually for the last three years, um, we've been responsible for almost between 35 and 40% of the incoming freshman class, uh, that, that high percentage that participate in student athletics. So obviously we, we, we are a driving force for the school as, a, as most are at the division three level. Um, because when you offer as many sports that we have, uh, it certainly gives uh, a lot of, um, uh, student athletes, the opportunity to continue their collegiate experience. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Mr. Duda, I appreciate you taking your time out today to sit down with us and kind of talk recruiting and everything. Um, you got any final thoughts or anything you want to end with? Yeah, I, I would just like to you know, congratulate you, Steve, for what you're trying to do here, because as I said, talking to you uh, prior to, to us going live, um, there isn't enough of this, you know, and there's a lot of um, uh, people getting false information and there's not enough good information going around. And I think what you try to do to promote the, the, the proper message and get it to the, the right amount of people to be uh, an asset and a resource. And that's what I always considered myself. Uh, you know, I want every young kid out there, male or female, um, who loves the game that they play to have that opportunity and to know the proper process and to do it the right way. Because as I said earlier, sometimes you could hurt yourself more than you can help yourself. And to the parents really understanding that coaches watch how they act at games as well. You know what I mean? When you're evaluating, you see some parent in the stands who's saying the wrong thing and acting the fool and that type of thing. College coaches, they take note of that as well. You know, because how, how is their how does their son or daughter respond to coaching? How do they respond to criticism? They're all they're all big factors. But that aside, Steve, just keep doing what you're doing because um, this generation does need help and guidance, and it needs it, it needs the correct help and guidance. So I congratulate and you. Just keep keep trying to spread the message. Coach, we definitely appreciate that. Um, that was our goal from the very beginning to really take the ambiguity out of the whole recruiting process and hear it straight from the people that can make that decision on whether or not a student athlete is going to get to continue to play at the next level a lot or not. And so definitely appreciate and definitely love the fact that people are noticing that we're, we are trying to do the right thing, and, and I do appreciate you. Um, Folks, this has been another episode of Coach Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.